All right, the microphone is on, and we are back here again on a Wednesday. It's February 28th, 2024, and we are in Joshua. We're trying to get through the book of Joshua. So turn to chapter 15. Chapter 15, and all of what we're going to be talking about tonight is the dividing of the land to the tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. And uh, chapter 15, now think about last week. We were in 14, and that was a chapter that you can preach on. That was a fun chapter to do because we were talking about Caleb, and that's a, a fairly short chapter. We did go through 13 as far as talking about chapter 13. That was kind of a long chapter. And then the, the main teaching last week was on chapter 14, and it was just really, really good because we got to get into the character of Caleb. And we learned that Caleb means, remember, dog. Yes. And who would want a name like that? You know, in our society right now, dogs are way different as far as how we think of them. And if somebody was to call you a dog today, you might not get offended. Because there's a lot of people who treat their dogs way better than they ever tr treated their kids. Spoil them rotten, right? So being a dog... Hey, not so bad, but if you think about it back in their day, it was a very bad insult to call somebody a dog. So, if Caleb's name meant dog, he could have allowed that name to keep him down. He could have, he could have been a little messed up as a kid, having to deal with a name like that. Uh, was it Johnny Cash had a song about a boy named Sue? And that was to make him tough? So it's either going to destroy you, or if you overcome a name like that, you will be one tough person able to handle anything. So in Caleb's mind, he must have said, you know what, I'm going to be the best dog ever. And my master, I will follow obediently wherever he leads me. We, we need to take a lesson from that. And are we willing to be to humble ourselves to be like just a little dog and say, Jesus is my master, and I want to be so obedient like a good dog would be to their owner and go wherever and obey his voice. <clears throat> so I had never heard that before. If I did, I had forgotten all about it. So we talked about that last Wednesday. So last night at the jail... I had a bunch of guys in there, and there were some new guys that had showed up and was talking to them about what we did last Wednesday. And we went through pretty much everything I did last Wednesday here, and we talked about Caleb. And it was toward the very end of the class that we actually got to the part where I teased them a little bit earlier on about what, do you, what does the name Caleb mean, and nobody knew. And I said, well, just hang on. We'll get to it later. And we just kept going through the story. <clears throat> so after we were done, got was able to get to that at the very end and wasn't able to spend much time on it because the guard, the, it was a, a woman who escorted me back. We, uh, Cameron and I 
have gotten to know her a little bit because she's there a lot at nighttime and she's taken us back several times. So <clears throat> uh, she said, she asked, uh, as we were going, going out of there, heading back to the front, she said, y'all have a good class? And I said, yes, we did. And I started telling her about what we were talking about. And as we were walking out, she said, you know, I wanted to name my son Caleb, but my husband said, no way, because that name means dog. And I went, that's what we were just talking about. So I think she ended up naming her son Aaron. So I thought that was pretty cool. We, we got some good, over the years, we've had some really good COs at the jail, and, but then there's some, some that don't care for us being there at all. But uh, we pray for all of them. <clears throat> when Hildred was there, we prayed for him big time because he had to deal with them. So he always prayed for them at every class we had. <clears throat> all right, uh, 15. Now, again, this is, this is the, Caleb is part of Judah, and we saw that when we were reading last week. So when you get into 15, it goes into way more detail about the whole tribe of Judah and all of the different... It, it shows you as you read this, and you, you, if you don't know anything about the cities and all the villages that are in Israel, you can read this and not really understand where it's pointing to, but it is so detailed about where the borders are and naming different places, and this part of it's here, and that part it's over here, and all down south it goes from this side and then over here, and, and it's just detailed, big-time detailed. <clears throat> so, uh, I don't, there's just, I don't want to read a lot of what's in these next several chapters. I don't want to read it all because it will just you'll just you'll go to sleep. I mean, it'll numb you. But because it's written, it is important. But I want I want everybody who listens to this on the podcast, anybody who listens to the tape, anybody who's here tonight, I want you to read it, of course, on your own. But I don't want to go through, especially like when we get down to twenty-one of chapter fifteen. And it's just name after name after name of people. We have name after name of cities and, 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 and places, but there are certain, certain parts that are really important, and the deep meaning of it is important, and hopefully we'll get to that, I think we will, uh, a little later, because I'm going to read out of uh, my H.A. Uh, Ironside commentary He's got a really, really good take on these next, see, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. He lumps all five of those chapters in one little section of this, of this commentary. But what he says about it, and, he, and he's talking about the people he learned from, and he's from way back. I mean, H.A. Ironside, he's, he's been dead for a while. <clears throat> It, this this uh, commentary was originally published in 1950. And it says, oh, again, y'all know my standards. Y'all know what, what I look for in a com you know, somebody who writes a commentary. When I see H.A. 
Ironside. When I see those two initials starting out the name, I'm interested. I always open up the commentary to that page where it tells you the published date and all that stuff, and I go down to where it says, all scripture quotations, unless otherwise indicated, are from the King James Version of the Bible. That's the other thing that I look for. And that's probably the most important thing that I'm looking for. And then I check and see if the guy has, has died. If he's dead, if he's got the two initials that he uses, basically, and I really like that, because they, they don't want their name, they don't like their name being put out there. You know, when, if, when the sign gets changed and somebody puts my first name on that sign out there, I cringe. I don't like it. <clears throat> it says Pastor Hall on there now, and I'm okay with that, but I don't like my first name being up there. I really don't like my name being, you know, publicized in, in that way, but I think that's the way they are. And then, there's, of course, there's a lot of women who have wrote books over the years that use their initials because they don't want to be judged right away. They, they want their audience to be bigger, and if you see a woman author, a lot of boys... And men will not read the book. As soon as they see a woman's name, nope. Was it J.K. Rawlings? That's a woman, right? But if you don't know, if you just pick up a book, one of her books, and you see that name, you won't pick up on that if you don't know. And you might read it <clears throat> if you're a male. So that's, that's the reason behind uh, that a lot of times. So anyway, I really like what he said, and he's talking about people that he learned from as well. So we'll be, we'll be getting into that here in a little while. So let's read a little bit out of the Bible, chapter 15, starting with verse 1. This then was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah by their families, even to the border of Edom, the wilderness of Zen. Southward was the uttermost part of the south coast. Now, when you see uh, that this then was the lot, they actually, what that's referring to is they drew lots. And you may say, well, what is that? You, you see it throughout Scripture. And they even did it with Jonah, didn't they? That's, did they draw lots with Jonah? They drew lots when they were trying to pick a, a new disciple to, to replace uh, Judith Iscariot. I'm pretty sure they did that. Um, lots, oh, oh, of course the soldiers drew to see who would get the robe that they couldn't divide up from Jesus. You see that a lot. And that would be kind of like us today saying, let's put some names in a hat and draw or let's flip a coin. And why do we do that? Not, it, it's so we were not showing uh, partiality to a certain person. It, it, it puts everybody on the same playing field and you just by chance draw something so that you get the next thing or whatever. You understand what that, that's doing here? So that's how, they're, that's how they're handling this is by lot. They're drawing a lot. Uh, drawing the name out, see who gets the next piece of property. <clears throat> when you get all the way over into 19, you'll see, and the third lot went to this tribe, and the fourth lot went to this tribe, all the way down to the seventh lot 
because they were they had already given a certain number of tribes, two and a half on the east side. So by the time they finish up with Judah and start talking about the other tribes, then, the, then the, I think it only goes to seven by the time you get over to that part. And we might look at that here in a little while. Okay, um, I'm going to scan here a little bit. And... You can see it's very, very detailed of, of the south, the east, the north, all of these different. <clears throat> and, and Judah, the tribe of Judah is very significant because of they, them being the royal tribe. You've got Levi's, the priestly tribe that didn't inherit any land. But Judah, that's where Jesus will come out of. So they're a very special tribe. And I'm just going down through here. Now, when you, all right, go over to 15. All right, back up to 13. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishiah, uh, I, ha- I don't have my pronunciation Bible open, uh, Ahaman and Talmiah, the children of Anak, and he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber, and the name Deber before was Kerjath Sefer, and Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksha, Aksa. I, I should have got my pronunciation Bible out. See, I've already read through all of this, and I just kind of say it however I want to say it when I'm reading it a lot of times. And I should have got my other Bible out. So he's going, he has said, Look, anybody who will go up and take that city, I will give my daughter. To them as for a wife. I don't know if uh, she argued about it at all, but you see that a lot in the Bible, where the girl really didn't have much to say about it. It's like, all right, well, this guy, I don't really care what you think of him, but you're his wife now, because he did some great thing, and then I'm rewarding him with you. Bye. See you later. Have a good life. And Othniel the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa, I don't know, his daughter to wife. So they were cousins. They were cousins. And you see that quite often in the Old Testament. And, I mean, even closer relatives. Abraham and Sarah were even closer. Half-sister. And we don't do that nowadays. And it came to pass as she came unto him that she moved him to ask of her father a field, and she lighted off her donkey. That sounds a little better than what it actually says. And Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me 
also springs of water, and he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. So the very lower, the ones way down low, the ones way up high. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. And then you get in, starting with 21, just look at all those names. Name after name, all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. And the number of villages were this many, blah, blah, all the way down. And then in 63, look at that. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out, but the Jebusites <clears throat> dwell with the, with the children of, the, uh, of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. Wow. What you're going to notice if, as you read through this on your own, you're going to see that every one of these that I can remember, there's somebody that they couldn't drive out. There's some people that God had commanded them beforehand. You really need to get them completely out of there. And if you don't, you're going to have trouble with these people. And sure enough, we've got history to look back on to know that if they didn't drive them out, they had trouble, and they still have trouble with them today. Okay, chapter 16. And the lot of the children of Joseph fell from Jordan by Jericho unto the water of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goeth up from Jericho throughout Mount Bethel, and goeth out from Bethel to Luz, and passeth along unto the borders of Archai at Ataroth. And so you know that the children of Joseph are Manasseh and Ephraim. We, all, we already know that half of the tribe of Manasseh has settled on the other side of the river, and now on this side, the other half is settling there. And Manasseh and Ephraim are kept close to each other. They're brothers. Manasseh was the firstborn. Ephraim was the second. And that's one of those situations where, just like Jacob and Esau, and, and the Lord told Rebekah that the elder will serve the younger. And in this case as well, we have... Uh, the sons of Joseph, the firstborn, Manasseh, ended up being the lesser. Ephraim was first. It got switched. And that was even Joseph bringing... When, there, when, when, when Joseph's father, Jacob, couldn't see very well, and he took his two sons in to be blessed by Jacob, so Joseph brought them in, and he uh, put them in the right order so that when Jacob reached out, his right hand would fall on Manasseh's head and left hand on Ephraim. And Jacob understood what was happening, and he crossed, the Bible says that he crossed his arms over them and then put the right hand on Ephraim's head and left hand on Manasseh, and it troubled Joseph. But that was meant to be, because all of those pictures of the second one coming and, and being ahead of the first one, it all goes to the first man, Adam, lost everything to Satan. The second man, Jesus Christ, came to restore it all. So it's pointing to something that's going to happen in the future. All right, so... We scan down through 16. It's a very short chapter about 
Manasseh and Ephraim and where their land is. And then 17, there's some good, there's some good uh, portions that we could uh, bring up in 17. But just look through, look through that, scan through that, and look at all, that, all the names. And when you and, and look at eighteen, I don't like highlighting. I probably should have because there was some. I was going to show you. Oh, that's in nineteen. When you go to nineteen ten, it says and the third lot. You see that? In the very first uh, verse of nineteen, and the second lot came forth to Simeon. Now we've already dealt with uh, Reuben and Gad on the other side of the river. We've already talked about Judah. We've already talked about the other half-tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim. So now, oh, all the way over in 19, it says in one, verse 1, And the second lot came forth to Simeon, and down at 10, and the third lot came up for, see, they're just drawing, came up for Zebulun. And then in 17 of 19, chapter 19, verse 17, and the fourth lot came out to Issachar. And the 24, and the fifth lot came out for the tribe of Asher. And then in 32, and the sixth lot came out the children of Naphtali. And then in verse 40, and the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the, of the children of Dan. Alright, so all of that information in all of those chapters. Now... I'm going to read out of this commentary now. This is really good. Pay very close attention. The inheritance of the tribes and the story of Othniel and Aksa, the daughter, Caleb's daughter. We come now to a portion of the book of Joshua which, while it would richly repay careful and minute examination, we must pass over curiously because of the nature of these messages. That's what he said way back in 1950. In chapters 15 through 19, we have the account of the division of the land west of the Jordan among the nine and one-half tribes that had not chosen to remain in the country of Bashan and the land of Gilead on the east side of the river as had the two and one-half tribes who found there such fine accommodation for pasturing, pasturing their great herds of cattle. They preferred to settle down in the countries taken from Og, king of Bashan, and Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Moses gave them that permission, as we have seen, providing their warriors went into the land to help their brethren against the Canaanites. The tribe of Judah had the first portion, 
Their inheritance was in the high country adjacent to and south and west of Jerusalem. So they're, see, they're tied right to Jerusalem. They're right there with it. And south and west of Jerusalem, Judah was the royal tribe and was honored of God in a very special way. But the other tribes also had their portion in different parts of the land, each one having his own particular values, but divided by the casting of lots. In the book of Proverbs, we read, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So even though it may look like by chance you just, you're taking these lots, the, the Lord is, can even direct in that as well. It's, I, the way I see this verse right here in Proverbs is, even though, so man doesn't show partiality, he can do this process, but God is moving the, the lot around to where he knows who's next, and he wants that lot to be picked. All right, he directed Joshua to use this method, doubtless, in order to avoid what might seem like uh, partiality in giving the tribes their inheritances. That there are great spiritual lessons to be learned from, the, from these records, there, is, there can be no question. Others have gone into this in a way we do not attempt here, notably God's honored servant, F.W. Grant. Okay, I, I kind of like the guy because his, it, it's F.W. F.W. Grant, I'm sure he's dead now who in his enlightening notes on these passages in the numerical Bible. I want that. If you can find the numerical Bible by F.W. Grant, I would like that. I want to check that out. You know how I love numbers, right? Has shown that the Hebrew names of the cities, towns, and districts all have remarkable significance and when translated, help us to understand more fully something of the richness and preciousness of our inheritance in the heavenly places in Christ. So if you can, the Holy Spirit could show you what all of those names mean. If you was to sit down and do an in-depth study of what each of those cities' names actually mean, that you would, after hours and hours and hours of study and rereading all of those chapters with all those names, you might start to put together the significance it has to, and how it points to our inheritance in the heavenly places in Christ. We need to remember that all these things were written for our learning and are types of what God has given us to enjoy in this present age of grace. It is pathetic, however, to note that tribe after tribe failed to make a full end of their enemies and so were obliged to permit those Canaanites to dwell among the Israelites. All this was but a compromise, and compromise with evil never pays. In days to come, these foes who have been spared when they should have been exterminated, either became a snare to the people of God by leading them off into idolatry or else wrought great havoc by their warlike behavior. 
attacking and often destroying cities and farms of the Israelites who had permitted them to remain unmolested. Always turn your phone to silent before you uh, come into church, okay? God had warned Israel of this, of this beforehand, telling them that those who were, who were not destroyed would be thorns in their sides and would cause them untold trouble. Concerning Judah, we, we read in, uh, in chapter 15, 63, that's, I read that. I didn't read much, but I read that. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. Then in 16.10, we learn that the children of Joseph drave not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. Of Manasseh, the children of the elder son of Joseph, we are told that they could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And that's in uh, chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. In spite of their failure, we find these children of Joseph grumbling because they had only one lot and one portion to inherit whereas they declared they were a great people. Joshua's answer was fitting indeed. If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. That's uh, 1715. Still these children of Joseph were not satisfied, but they replied, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Beth Sheen and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And that's 1716. To this Joshua answered somewhat ironically perhaps, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine. For it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Uh, 17, 17 through 18. We may well learn from the failures of Israel to beware lest we ourselves fail to judge every evil thing that Satan would use to hinder our enjoyment of the things of Christ. We are called to deal unsparingly with every unholy thought and every sinful tendency, cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. It is only thus that we can appreciate truly and enjoy in the way God would have us the great privileges and manifold blessings he has bestowed upon us. Sin unjudged results in weakness and loss of communion, which can only be restored as we face the sin in the presence of God, confessing and forsaking it, and thus obtaining mercy and the assurance that all is forgiven. But now let us turn back and consider briefly 
an incident that shines out brightly in the midst of all these long lists of Hebrew names, which to many of us seem unintelligible. We have already considered the energy of faith as seen in Caleb, the wholehearted. He comes before us again in the 13th verse of chapter 15, where we read, or we read, And, and unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah. So this is, I already read all this, so I did, as, as we have read, because I already read all this, and what he said about what he would do of any person who drove them out, that he would give uh, his daughter. All right, Kerjath, Sefer, that's the city that he wanted somebody to take. And he wanted it taken, and, and he said, I'll give you my daughter to wife if you take it. So what does that city, Kerjath, Sefer, it means, the name of the city means, the city of the book. The city of the book. It was probably so named because an ancient library was located there. Its name was changed later to Deber. D-E-B-I-R. Deber. Which means the oracle or the word. So that would be, an oracle would be the spoken word. And suggests that Word of God through which he speaks directly to his people. Caleb's energy set a splendid example to younger men, and this comes out clearly in what follows. We are told in verse 16, And Caleb said, He that smiteth kerjath sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. Now, Aksa, if I'm saying it right, it's A-C-H-S-A, S-A-H, means anklet. That's what the na- that name means, anklet. All right, you have a necklace. Think about something being around your ankle. And uh, we see that from time to time. And as others have suggested, speaks of the decorated foot reminding us of the word and the prophecy of Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. That's Isaiah 52, verse 7. In Ephesians 6, 15, the soldier of Christ is commanded to have his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Surely no lovelier decoration could be found for any foot than this. In response to Caleb's challenge, we are told that Othniel, his nephew, took Kerjath Sefer, and thus the city of the book, or the word, became his inheritance. In accordance with with his promise, Caleb gave him, his daughter, to wife. Thus, and her name means anklet, Thus, the cousins were united. Aksa suggested, uh, Caleb's daughter, suggested to her husband that he ask of her father a field, a petition which Caleb readily granted. But the young woman realized that a field without water was practically worthless, so she herself approached her father in an attitude of supplication. In response to his inquiry, what... Wouldest thou? She replied to that, 
Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. Listen very closely to this. We are told that Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. This is all very suggestive. A believer may have rich treasure indeed in the fact that the oracles of God are committed to him. That's us having the Bible, right? But do you understand all the Bible? How do you get the understanding of all the Bible? So you've got this rich, very rich blessing right here in this Bible. But he can only enjoy to the full this blessed gift of God when the Holy Spirit is given, is given in power to open up the truth to him in this dispensation of grace the Spirit dwells in every believer. He is likened by our Lord Jesus to a fountain of living water springing up in the heart. It is, it is as we appreciate and value the work of the Holy Spirit that we enjoy the refreshing influences which flow from His acknowledged presence. May the faith of Othniel and of Asa be duplicated in us who through grace have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, may we be so yielded to the indwelling Holy Spirit that we or that He will make very real to us the precious things of Christ, and thus give us to enjoy our inheritance to the full. The Spirit and the Word are linked together both in connection with the new birth and in later Christian experience. The Spirit-filled believer is one in whom the Word of Christ dwells richly. May this be true of all who read these lines. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful blessing that we do have, this... Uh, this Bible that we carry around, this, these holy scriptures. Father, you have given it. And Father, we should take the lesson that it was given to us. And Father, you were happy to give it. Just like Caleb was happy to give that land, that special field, and that city of Deber that has a special meaning to his, to his daughter and to her husband, and Father, that they were wise enough to go ask that they could get springs of water. And Father, we're asking that you would also provide to us the Holy Spirit that will come into us and that will help us to understand the meaning of your word. Father, that, that it's, a, it's a living word that it does so much for us to bless us and to guide our ways here on this earth. And Father, as we are going through this journey here on this earth, that it is ultimately leading us to you. Father, we thank you for all of these things, for, all, for, 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 for the people that have gone before us, that have studied your word in the past, that have helped us to understand your word today. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that carry it on to the next generations. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.